Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is the Dalmatian episode, episode number 101. Nice. I, yeah. Yes, it is. I immediately regret saying that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, today, uh, tonight, actually, we're going to be talking about the series with the Colorado Avalanche. It wasn't much of a series, more of a shellacking. Um, although tonight's game, they, they played better, uh, but that, that first game, um, uh, what, two days ago, it was a Tuesday. Uh, yeah, not, not so hot. Uh, the Sharks uh, just not looking the part, getting run up and down the ice, and it was really, really bad. The first 15 minutes or so of the game, not so bad. Uh, Sharks come out and they score first. A good trend that uh, we'd like to, to continue seeing from them. But, of course, that doesn't guarantee any sort of win or anything just because you score first. It does get you off on the right foot, though. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, Avs got off on the right next five feet, and uh, they certainly started blowing the game out uh, right off the bat there. What do you think? Well, the Avs are a very high-scoring, high-octane team, so it was only a matter of time for the floodgates would open. Uh, that game, though, I, to me, I felt like I, I don't, I'm not one to blame referees at all by any means, but I feel like, and here's a big but, I, I suppose, um, I thought they were letting a lot go, and not that that's a bad thing, but I think it, it kind of caught the Sharks off guard of how much stuff was being let go, and I think that kind of threw them off, and I think it's good for them to get thrown off their game so that they can learn how to adjust and come back and be able to... Um, play a different style game than what they wanted to do or what they're used to. So uh, to me, this is like a big adversity test for them, uh, how they would do. And uh, there was also a, a big article this week that came out from Kevin Kurz about the, the code, the Sharks code. Um, I think this was a great game to exactly show what he's talking about and explain what he's talking about. Um, I don't know if you read the article, right? That he wrote It's a very good article. If, if you're not an athletics, uh, athletic, uh, subscriber, I would highly recommend it. But this article was really great. And um, it, it basically is talking about uh, last season, I felt like I brought this up last season, in any scrum or anything that would happen, no Sharks teammate would stand up for the other the other guy. What you see a lot of times in hockey and, and from other teams is uh, if there's a scrum or something happens or someone kind of takes exception to something, they kind of get in that guy's face and then their teammates come in and, and help out and the Sharks were not doing that at all. So that was one thing that Bob Bugner wanted to instill in these guys is you got to stick up for your own your own teammates, your your family. So um, I felt like you know towards the end of that game it was going to get ugly. You're losing seven to three even towards the end there it was that bad. Um, and I saw I saw a little bit more of that more that the Sharks were sticking up for themselves and and their their teammates as well. So I think there are some positives come out of getting your butt kicked like that, but. Um, not to do a lot of whataboutisms here, but St. Louis Blues, don't forget, are a cup favorite, and they went in and lost 8 nothing. So maybe the Sharks aren't that bad. I'd say at least they didn't get shut out, but then they got shut out tonight. So <laughs> more of a traditional score, though, of 3 nothing, not 8 nothing. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, and I think um... – you, you get a lot of this from, you know, the social media, right, from Twitter and from Facebook. Uh, guys saying, oh, my gosh, they're so terrible. They're so bad. Uh, they need to do this. They need to do that. They need to be better. And I, I kind of want to remind everybody that you're you're talking about a team that was kind of slated uh, to to finish kind of 
in last, right? Like everybody's got them written up to be one of the worst teams in not just their division, but in the NHL. And so when you go up against a team like Colorado, that's slated to be, you know, a cup favorite, essentially, this is kind of the result that maybe should be expected. Anything better than this would be great, but you kind of have to expect that they've got way more firepower than, than we do. We're playing in their barn as well. Now they don't have the fans behind them. Um, and as much as Logan Couture will say, no, it's just an excuse. The altitude, I'm sure, does take some sort of a toll on them because it's not what they're used to, right? As opposed to the Avalanche, who that's this is where they live uh, and, and and play. So um, I, I'm sure it has some effect, and I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on that because, as Logan would say, you know that that's just an excuse. But uh, again, I'm sure it has a little bit to do with it. I, I do want to say something else though about um, the the play in that game that. And it continued in this game as well. The power play is just atrocious right now. It's absolutely awful. They're, they're unable to even get into the zone half the time. It seems like that's something that they could really do well to work on. You know, I've been to practices uh, in the past season or so, and when I was able to go at least, they would practice the power play. But the power play practice would always start off with a, a face-off win for the people on the podcast. I'm using air quotes. Uh, they would never actually take a face off. They would just drop the puck and give it to the the power play uh, unit and allow them to just have the puck and start setting up. Very rarely or never did I ever see the power play work on getting into the zone. So the assumption is that they're they're working on their power play once they're in the zone and set up, but they're not actually working on getting into the zone. Now, of course, I haven't been to any practices this season, so I can't really tell if that's the case. And maybe Bob Bugner has stressed that and says, you know what? We need to work on getting in the zone. Unfortunately, what we saw tonight and last night, it doesn't really seem like that's the case. If that's one area, uh, if there is an area where I feel like the Sharks could definitely do better uh, in terms of focus, it would definitely be bringing the puck into the zone. The whole pass the puck backwards thing that every team does now, like I, I get that, but it's it's not really getting you into the zone. You're, you're having a lot of guys standing waiting at the blue line while the last man back is trying to bring the puck across. And we saw tonight where – if that puck doesn't get into the zone, it gets poked. That last man back has his momentum going forward and everybody else is standing on the blue line. So you've got no momentum to help you out going back the other way. Uh, in fact, uh, Curtis Brown had uh, on the pregame, he had a clip of the Sharks power play and all they were doing was losing the puck and it was unforced errors. Uh, they, they were just making errant passes into the corner where the Colorado Avalanche were able to pick the puck up. Then there was just flubbing the puck altogether and the Colorado Avalanche were able to pick the puck up. And then I think it was uh, John Leonard who was trying to bring the puck up out of the zone and he just flubbed the puck again. And there's a, an odd or a break back the other way, shorthanded and it causes a shorthanded goal. So there's just too many things that are going wrong in the power play, not even just in the zone, you know, right. It just, just trying to get from the defensive zone through the neutral zone. That alone is a task for this power play unit. And I don't understand uh, why that's the case. But it seems to be something that's really robbing them of a lot of opportunities to, to get ahead on a team like Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. And if you were to say before this series that the Sharks are going to get outscored, what, 10 to 3? I'd be like, yeah, that sounds realistic. You know, we knew that this team was going to be like Colorado, I mean, back two years ago when the Sharks played them in the, uh, what was that, in the, I guess the conference final or the, uh, not the conference finals, the conference semifinals, I suppose, is what the name of it is. It's confusing. Anyway, the second round. We played him in the second round, and 
they were a team that was, wow, this team is going to be a very good team in the future, probably dominant in this division. And here we are two years later with more experience under their belt. They had a few more players they are no longer a one-line team. I mean, they are primarily a one-line team, but they got some other help that's chipping in more goals and, and other things. So um, we knew this was coming with the Colorado Avalanche. So it doesn't surprise me. The Sharks are not at that caliber of a team. Um, I was hoping they were going to squeak one out because what Colorado had six posts tonight. So it was like, man, it seems like everything the Sharks were doing was doing right up until the last 10 minutes of the game tonight. But back to the first game, it, it kind of just snowballed out of control. Those three quick goals right before the end of the first period was kind of a killer. Uh, they couldn't really recover. And they come out and uh, Colorado scores two more in the second period to go up five to one. That's just deflating. Um, the Sharks did. I feel like they clawed back a little bit. Um, again, going back to their code, they didn't give up. They didn't just give in and give up eight goals. So uh, they kind of came back and fought. I thought Dubnik did pretty decent in there. I think I still think he's the better of the two goalies right now. And I think tonight showed it in tonight's game where he got the start. I thought he played a very strong game. I like his play better anyway than Jones. I think he's a little more aggressive and a little more sure of himself. Jones, I feel like kind of hugs inside the goal and, and is not as aggressive and is not as confident as Dubnik is. Um, I feel bad for Dubnik though, because it, I feel like he's not getting enough goal support. Whereas Jones, it's kind of funny how that works, right? This kind of reminds me of what was it? Toskal and Nabokov. I don't know, probably 12 years ago, 10 years ago where the Sharks wouldn't score when Nabokov was in net and he was getting the losses. And then when Tosca was in, he wasn't doing as well, but they were scoring more goals and helping bail him out basically. So they won with Toskal in, but they played a better game with Nabokov in, which is kind of weird. So I kind of feel like that's that's kind of the MO of the Sharks right now is Dubnik is in and they're they're not scoring. They're not they're playing better, but they're just not scoring. And then when Jones is in, they seem to be scoring more goals and and it shows it shows on their stats. Look how many wins Jones has versus Dubnik, right? So it's unfortunate that Dubnik is still looking for his first win as a shark. So we're going to look at maybe a couple positives coming out of this game. At least I think you had, uh, you had said that they were winning in faceoff percentages. Um, so that's, that's definitely good to see because uh, the last, uh, the earlier in the season, I think we were a little bit low on the faceoff percentage and uh, maybe it was just all of last year. Uh, the, the faceoff just was not doing well. It's kind of one of those things when you uh, start losing, you know, the guy, you lose a guy like Joe Pavelski, who was really, really good in the faceoff. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Joe Thornton is kind of relegated more to like that third line. So uh, he wasn't taking as many draws either. So um, all of last season, I think that the faceoff percentages weren't so great. And in this game, at least, it kind of bumped it back up. So good to see they're kind of on the right path with uh, getting that number back in check. Uh, the other thing was uh, both Gregor and Donato uh, picked up goals in that game. Donato, I mean... And I asked Bob uh, Bugner about, about him tonight. Uh, one of the questions to to Bob was, you know, about the goaltending. Do you think Dubnik is, um, you know, kind of taking the reins right now? And, and Bob said, you know, who was a bright spot for for the team tonight? And so I, I followed up with a question, basically saying, on, on the topic of bright spots, what can you say about Ryan Donato's game? And you know, Bob said, you know, for a guy that I didn't really know much about, uh, I, I coached against him, obviously, but I, I hadn't really coached him. I hadn't really seen him a whole heck of a lot, and to be able to inject him in the lineup and have him come in and just work hard every single shift. Um, it's one of those things where you know what you're going to get out of Ryan Donato, and that's a good thing for a coach, right? There's there's not a whole lot of flux in his game. You know what he's going to give you. So he was very happy with Ryan Donato's game uh, tonight as well. Uh, but in that first game against Colorado, both he and Gregor uh, had put up goals, which is great. 
Um, speaking of being uh, talking to the the coach and everything in the post game, um, I, I have actually been able to, to pop in there and, and throw a question out now and then. And in that night uh, or, or that game, I should say, um, post game, I was able to ask Eric Carlson uh, a question, and I think we have a, a clip of that right now. If you want to roll that one, Paul, last question. Hi, Eric. In a normal season, it would be weeks until you see a team again. Does this two-game miniseries schedule present an opportunity to immediately apply the lessons learned against a particular team? Yeah, you know, next game is going to be completely different. Um, I think that, you know, we're, we're going to try and address the things that obviously we didn't think that we did good enough today. Um, you know, they're probably going to try and play the same way that they did. That they did. Uh, so, yeah, it's an opportunity for us to... Uh, you know, show that we're better than this. And, um, you know, it's nice that we get to play them again in, in a couple of days. Uh, you don't really have time to think about it too much. We know what we have to do. We know that we're a better hockey team than we showed today. And uh, we got we to gotta go out and show that. <laughs> <They're in. laughs> they, they did not show anything. No, I mean, really, like, you know. I thought, I thought they played a much better game tonight. They played a much better game tonight than they did in the first game. I thought they made some adjustments and looked a lot better. So I, I agree to a point, and somebody on Twitter said as much. They said they look much better. And I said, you know, I, I'll agree with you that the score is still close, right? It, it was 0-0 at the time. I'll agree with you there that the score looks better than it did after the first and second periods. Uh, but beyond that, honestly, again, I was really disappointed with the the, the lack of energy, I feel like, on, on the power play on five on five coming through the neutral zone. They weren't driving the net. Uh, that was one of the things that Bob had said about that line with uh, Hurdle and uh, Evander Kane and Timo Meyer. That was Meyer got bumped back up to that line again. And he's saying, you know, they, they need to play that heavy, hard to play against game and they're not. Uh, and tonight we saw it again. They, they, they're not. So um, I, I'm, I wasn't very pleased with it offensively. I think that there's a whole lot more room for them to not not grow, but just do the things that they are already capable of doing. And that's the thing that's frustrating about it, right? It's like you you know what to do. You know how to do it. It's just that you're not executing that for one reason or the other. Now, maybe the other team is just better than you and they're limiting your chances. Fine. But you guys are three veterans now, I would say, professionals in this league. You're not nothing new when you've dealt with everybody in this league. And you're huge. You should be able to overpower pretty much anybody that's in your path, especially a small defensive core that is in in Colorado's case right so I was very disappointed in that um and it, speaking about Carlson specifically um I'm I, I you know me man, I, I've been saying you know Carlson's he's a, he's a great player he does a, a great job getting keeping set up getting the passes out protecting the puck everything else if I'm going to have one criticism of Eric Carlson it would be this every time I see him play um and especially in the defensive zone he's not moving um, he does a lot of gliding, which I'm okay with. He does those big strides and he can coast and he's at speed. To co I'm fine with that. But when the puck is kind of loose, he'll like look at Ferraro and tell him, go ahead and go get it. He never tries really hard to hustle to get a loose puck. He'll go after a guy when he's got the puck and there's nobody else around. He'll go after him. But I don't see that drive and that hustle uh, and that desire like I do out of a guy like Ferraro. Uh, coming from Eric Carlson. And I would love to see more of that. Now, a lot of people are going to quote the $11 million figure. Um, I don't care about the money. I care about the hustle and the jam, right? Um, and I'm just not seeing that out of him, uh, which is unfortunate because, you know, he's one of those guys that's supposed to be leading this team and you lead by example. If you're not skating hard to the puck, you're telling everybody else on that team, specifically the rookies and specifically the defensive rookies, 
um, that it's okay, you know, to, to not co to not skate hard, to be able to coast out there. And, um, that was just a little bit disturbing to see, uh, tonight. And most times I watch him play. Um, so I'd like to see a lot more hustle out of him. Again, it's one of those things where you know what you're capable of doing and we all know that you're capable of it as well. Uh, but for some reason it's just not translating in, in the gameplay. Yeah, there was a glaring, glaring example of this right at the end of the game when uh, the Sharks had the goalie pulled. I think they're still on the power play, and a shot went behind the net, and Carlson's right there. He could have easily skated over and grabbed it, and he just sat there and like watched it, and they cleared the puck out. I was I was like mad. I was like, what? why did you not go after that? Because he had plenty of time and space. He could have gotten it, kept control, and kept in the zone, and he kind of like waited for I – I forgot what forward it was, but there was a forward there who's kind of – tangled up the defenseman trying to get it, and he could have easily skated over and gotten it. I mean, he did not. And I, I was, like, shocked. Like, what What are you doing? <laughs> you would have gotten benched if you were not Eric Carlson, like, doing that, right? Like, we saw that kind of effort from, uh, who was it, Timo Meyer. It's kind of, like, not quite like the Pierre-Luc Dubois issue back in uh, in Columbus before he got traded, but it was kind of like, wow, man, he, he needs to, to get on his horse. And exactly what you said, set an example for uh, – for the young guys and get that puck um to me like let's like there's some there's some uh some uh quotes in here or some uh questions anthony sanchez sanchez says power play needs a lot more movement so many players just standing around hoping hail mary passes reaches players i agree and this is actually in our notes of what we're going to talk about how uh i think i literally wrote that somewhere in here where i said nobody's moving their skates carlson was the exception i thought carlson moves around a lot on the power play he's kind of he is moving his skates and trying to get into no position. The other four are just kind of standing there stale and waiting. And then they pass the puck and the sharks, I feel like the sharks do this all the time where they're looking for the perfect tic-tac-toe play where they can pass, pass, pass and get the open tap in shot. And it's not there. I think they need to work harder, get more shots in the net, more movement, get the defense off their, you know, off their skates and kind of not in their comfort zone and, and open up those passing and shooting lanes, get the goalie to move laterally get those pucks to the net and get some traffic in front of them so they, the goalie can't see. The Sharks are not doing that, and I think they're going to be working on that uh, going into the next game, if there's a next game, which we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, you, you would sure hope so. You would sure hope that that's uh, a focus, right, because they're getting opportunities. They're getting power play chances. But, again, for me, that's it's not even about being in the zone. They can't even get into the zone. Um, so, gosh, kind of a downer really here right now. So, um, you know, we're going we're gonna, to – launch more into uh, the game that we have uh, that we watched tonight. But um, I did want to bring up uh, you guys, the, the the fans here in the comments, you guys had mentioned that you don't like doing the super chat because uh, I guess Google takes some of the money there. Uh, we did set up a Venmo account for you guys uh, if you wanted to support the show and you can see it right down there. So um, if that's something you guys are interested in, you want to support the show, but you don't want to give big bad Google and the Death Star or whatever it is Aaron was talking about earlier, the all your money, uh, that, that would be fine too. Go ahead and use this as well. So just want to let you guys know that we actually did go through, uh, we heard your message, we heard the, the comments and we set it up. So, uh, there you go. Um, so talking about tonight's game before we even, I mean, we talked about it a little bit already, but before the game even started, I was super excited because I had heard that Sasha or Alexander, however you want to say it, I guess, uh, Shmelievsky, Shmelievsky, Shmelievsky. They've said it so many different ways. I just don't know. Shmelly. What's that? His nickname is going to be Smelly now. Nice, nice Smelly. job. Well, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so Sasha, 
uh, was slated to go ahead and start uh, in his his, uh, his first NHL appearance here. So uh, I was really looking forward to it. I was I even tweeted out, so I'm like, yeah, man, let's show him what you got, you know. Um, in the pregame live, Randy said, yes, he's, he's going to be suiting up. He's ready to go. And then it was like the game starts, and I, I pull up Twitter, and Kerr says, uh, yeah, so he's not going to be in the game tonight. Sorensen's going to play instead. And I'm going, what? So apparently what happened was the transaction just didn't happen in time. They had said, we're going to have him play. And then they put the transaction in and it didn't go through for whatever reason, I guess just a timing issue. So um, yeah, a bummer, a huge bummer. Uh, But I'm assuming you can expect that he's going to get into the lineup in the first game against either the uh, Vegas Golden Knights or if the whole COVID protocol thing, which we'll get into uh, a little bit later on, kind of dictates that that gets postponed. And then we play a different team instead. I can't remember who it is even. But you, I can imagine the next game the Sharks play, Sasha should be in the lineup uh, be- just because he wasn't in the lineup tonight and he was supposed to be. So uh, there's that one there. And, in fact, Aaron, do you want to set this clip up? We have a, a clip about uh, something Sasha was talking about. Sure. Um, the question was asking Sasha about what it's like to be on the taxi squad when you're not really playing in any games and you're kind of waiting around to get into the lineup um, and what life was like as that, as opposed to, I guess, playing in the AHL, which they haven't quite started yet. They're about to be, but um, kind of like what life was like. So here's the clip from uh, Sasha answering the question before today's game. Yeah, well, I, I think it was, it's been a good experience so far. Um, it's been tough. You know, you, you do a lot of skating and you, you stay in shape as much as possible. But I think the biggest thing you learn is, or you gain is experience, just being around the NHL team, um, feeling comfortable with yourself and comfortable around the other guys. I think that's the most important part. I mean, the hockey will take care of itself, but just feeling good mentally and feeling comfortable with where you're at is uh, pretty important to me. Yeah, that's a that's a big it's a big it's a good question asking what it's like to be like that because you're almost like in um, I want to say purgatory if that's the right word you're kind of in between the NHL and the AHL not quite I don't I don't know if you consider this like a healthy scratch I guess like it's just a larger healthy scratch list of players but they are practicing and, and playing with all the big league guys the big you know the top team um, but also at the same time you're not getting any games in and game shape is a lot different than practice shape. Um, I know when I played in soccer, uh, if you didn't play in the game after the game, you'd run like crazy. And I always like, I never understood why, but now I, you know, I understand now that the whole reason is if you played in the game, you're running, you're probably in soccer, especially you're running about five, six miles in the game. When you're sitting on the bench, you're not doing that. And then if you're going to play in the next game, your legs aren't there, or at least, you know, you're not going to be running five games at five miles after the game, but you're running a little bit to kind of keep your legs and your muscles going. Um, so same thing. That's kind of what he was talking about is uh, you try and keep your your legs and, and everything going so that you're ready to go in the game. And it's hard to do when I mean, he hasn't played in the game yet. And it's been what, two weeks now, three weeks of, of hockey. So he hasn't really played a game since last season. So he, he's probably itching to get in there. And I feel really bad for him because um that would have been great to get his first NHL game. I mean, even later in that thing, they asked him like who he called at first and he said uh, he called his parents and then talked to his brothers. Like it was so like, oh, this is so great. And it was so disappointing that he didn't get to go in tonight. So I'm sure he'll be in the next game, especially since the Sharks didn't win tonight. You know, had they won, the coach would probably be a little bit more like, eh, I don't want to change the lineup too much. But since they didn't, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing in the next game. Um, 
I just want to say thanks to Robert Spittler, who gave us some Venmo money, and his, or his uh, comment is cloning Brent Burns. So he wants to clone Brent Burns. Is that so you can trade one and keep the other? <laughs> is that a half a shoe thrown to Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, maybe you clone him, you could put one on right wing. Huh? Yeah. There you go. Why don't you just make a whole team of them? I would, hey. Don't can tell imagine, me. I, can you imagine a whole team of Brent Burns? You know what defense would look like? They'd all be on their stomachs. Yeah, just sliding human Zambonis. No, come on. Hey, that was last season. This season, have you seen him do that even once? Yes, I have. You have? Uh, I want to say two games ago. On defense, on a 201, he just lays down. And I go, oh, I thought he was done doing that. Okay, once. Right? Once. Come How on. How many two-on-ones has he been defending? Um, hey, but that's good news. He's not. We're not giving up as many two on ones. I guess if we're trying to look at the right yeah. sides here. But he's still um, so John Leonard sits in this game. It was supposed to be Sorensen and Leonard sitting in this game, but Sorensen got called back in. I kind of wonder if that maybe would have, if that was maybe an oversight, uh, putting Sorensen in instead of Leonard. I, I feel like maybe Leonard has a, a higher ceiling here in terms, not even just in the future, but just as of right now. Um, Sorensen is, he, he's a quick little guy, jitterbug, and he can uh, throw his body around. Yes. I feel like against a team like Colorado, you can use as much offense as you can possibly get because again, like tonight, uh, they, they scored three goals and we scored none. So it would have been nice to have maybe a little bit more of an offensive punch. And I think John Leonard might provide that more so than Sorensen. Now, obviously Leonard doesn't have uh, much in the way of points this season. So I uh, take that with a grain of salt, but um, I, I just thought that maybe Sorensen uh, sitting out would have been the better option there, but uh, Bob saw it differently, which is totally fine. Uh, I, I could definitely see, you know, maybe having Sorensen out there just trying to throw his little body around to to hit, uh, you know, Kel McCarr and the, the smaller defensive guys that they've got there to try to loosen the puck up a little bit off the boards. But uh, that just wasn't the case uh, tonight. It just didn't seem like anything was going right. So um, the first game ended, of course, seven to three shellacking. Uh, this game here ending in three nothing. Now. I, I know it was three nothing and it looks really bad, but if you take a look at when those goals were scored, it was kind of like mid late third period. So we were hanging with the guys who were supposed to be like the cup contenders for pretty much the entire game. So this is another solid effort. I think defensively uh, by the San Jose Sharks. Yes. The, the avalanche hit six posts, but I mean, if they don't hit the post, do they hit the glove instead? Right. So you can't say that those would have necessarily gone in. Um, so I don't know. I, I think all in all, it was a decent uh, overall showing by the Sharks in, in terms of keeping it that close until it kind of fell apart. Same thing that happened in the first game. They they were ahead and they kept it really close throughout the first period. And then it kind of fell apart after that. So um, it seems like once once the Sharks get down, it's just kind of that's it. It just really starts going downhill. Now, obviously, in game one, we just talked about them. Um, kind of keeping the fight and keeping going, you know, not getting, uh, not giving up on it. And, and they, they put, you know, three goals up instead of just saying, okay, fine, we lost this five to one, right? So, um, you know, kudos for the effort, I guess. But I think in this game here, um, they played much better throughout the duration of the game in terms of just defensively. But I, somebody else said it on Twitter. I, I really miss being in the stands and yelling, shoot, because. <laughs> That's what you wanted them to do tonight. They kept, uh, you know, trying to find these, you know, passes to going through the crease or these longer passes instead of just driving to the net. And that was the thing for me with that line, like I said before, with Hurdle and Kane and Meyer. Dude, just drive to the net, you know. So um, I w I'm definitely looking forward to the next game, seeing how they kind of retool and hopefully take a step forward. But 
that's all there really was to say about that game, unless you've got anything else. Well, they did have 38 shots on goal. And don't forget, when you hit the post, it doesn't count as a shot on goal. So if those were on goal, that would have been 44 shots on goal for Dubnik to save. That's a lot. He had a lot of work tonight. So I think the Sharks need to kind of tighten up and, and not let so many shots through and have some more blocks in there because that's a lot of work. Uh, you're making Dubnik work a lot. And again, it was a, it was basically a 2 nothing game. That last goal was a garbage goal and a power play at the very last minute of the game. Uh, it was a nice goal. There's nothing Dubnik can do on that. It was a tip from, I think, Kadri scored that one as well. Um, so at, that's rough, man. Yeah, I'm looking at a, a minute six left in the game. So to me, that was like... Um, I, I still think it's the defenders, then, and not just the defense, but the, the forwards and everyone. When they collapse on the goal, this is what I feel like I'm seeing a lot of goals from the Sharks are one, two, three whacks at a puck after the initial save has been made. Uh, the puck's not getting cleared. The guys aren't getting cleared. Um, I think in the first goal for Kadri, when he had that, it was like a garbage goal. It's kind of like a Pavelski goal where he's sitting in front of the net waiting for something to pop out. Nobody was marking him. He's wide open. He's just sitting there and untouched. You got to get him on the ground, you know, get a body on him, box out those guys, give Dubnik a clear chance to see the puck and cover it up. The Sharks aren't doing that. They're not a physical defensive team. They're not pushing these guys, and I think that's what needs to change. In order for them to be a successful team, I think they're doing a decent job. They're they're most likely than not blocking those first shots, um, or at least the goalies are, but they need to get help. They need help in front of the net clearing that stuff out. So once they start clearing that stuff, I think uh, they're going to be on the right path. And I think that's something that they can they can work on and change, and it's fixable. So that's kind of the good news. Um, going back to Leonard and Sorensen, I think Sorensen is that guy that you can't send down to work on his game. He is what he is. Leonard, you're right, does have more potential. But I think it's better for Leonard when his confidence is shot and he's not playing well and you saw how he just flubbed that puck up in the last game that created the shorthanded goal uh, on the way back. Um, you're able to send him back down to the AHL, and he can start scoring and dominating and getting his game back and getting his confidence back, and then you bring him back up. If you leave a guy like Leonard in the NHL lineup and you're cutting his minutes because he's just not performing well, that's not going to bode well for him. So it's better for him to get scratched and to see the game from above than it is for Sorensen to stay out and having Leonard play because Sorensen is not going to get better. I'm sorry. He's pretty much maxed out what he's going to be. So I think it was the right move to put Sorensen back in over Leonard. He needed a break. Yeah, no, as uh, I see a couple comments in the earlier saying Paul for head coach, uh, I think you're overlooking uh, Aaron over here because obviously they did what Aaron uh, would have thought to do. And that does make a whole heck of a lot of sense there, Matt Cow. I appreciate you, Matt Cow, but you're wrong, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so, again, you know, power play just uh, for me looking awful tonight. Um, so we'll skip kind of past that. But uh, on the the upside here in terms of Dubnik and uh, and making the saves, again, he looked strong in that. There was no goal support. I think there was out of three stars. He's had five goals for uh, uh, with his team, essentially, the Sharks scoring five goals while he's in, in the net. So out of three games, that's just simply not enough. That's not even two goals a game. So you're hard-pressed to score. And I'm sorry, you're hard-pressed to win a game if you can't score two goals in a game. You're not going to win very many uh, looking for a, a 1-0 shutout. So Dubnik, I thought tonight, made some pretty big stops. I thought he did well again. Uh, so, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing how much more he can bring in, the Sharks can bring their game up while he's in net. I think it's going to be a good combination. Um, uh, other bright spots tonight, Dylan Gambrell, I thought he blocked uh, several shots. I think it was, the count was up to like four, and then I stopped counting. But 
Um, this guy was taking him off the ankle, taking it off. I think he took one off the chest and off the leg. I mean, he was he was getting in front of the puck, and he was on the PK tonight as well. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of trust for Dylan Gambrell. I am – again, I was not big on Dylan Gambrell, okay? <laughs> I was not. Uh, but I am probably going to be the first guy to say I'm happy to see Dylan Gambrell uh, finally kind of uh, showing that he can participate in the NHL at least. So, um, that's yeah. definitely good to see. Uh, you know, any anybody from – you know, the, uh, our draftees uh, that's able to step in and make at least somewhat of a difference. Uh, just just stepping in, being able to soak up those minutes and uh, do a fairly good job of it as well, I, I think is a great thing. So um, my hat's off to Dylan Gambrell for stepping up and showing that, you know, he, he sort of maybe belongs here. So his progression, uh, hopefully taking another step forward sometime soon. A guy that I think has taken uh, big steps forward for the San Jose Sharks. Ryan Donato was another guy that I asked about tonight in the, in the post game. Um, he's, he's got his legs moving all the time. He's constantly moving his legs. It's one of those things. Again, you talked about Booger and he says, you know what you're going to get with him. And that's one of the great things, uh, knowing about Ryan Donato as a coach is that, you know, he's going to go out there and hustle, uh, every single shift that he gets. And he was out there. He drew a penalty as well. Uh, again, pumping those legs, working real hard, getting into those areas that some guys don't necessarily want to be in, uh, those dirty spots. And, you know, they, they had to take him down. So uh, he, he drew a penalty today, uh, did pretty awesome. Um, it just overall in general, I can't say enough about Ryan Zanotto. I think he's probably the Sharks' best player right now in the last mm-hmm. few games uh, in terms of just hustle and that, you know, that jam, if you will. So uh, super happy with his game. In fact, he, they moved him up to the top power play unit, a big testament to uh, his work ethic and, and skill. So I'm uh, very happy to see that. And, you know, you look back at uh, the, the trade to acquire him and you say, man, we gave up a third round draft pick. And this is kind of where I go back to saying, you know, if you have a known good, um, it, for me, it's better to use the pick as as currency to get that known good out of Ryan Donato than it is to maybe take a flyer on a third round pick, right? Um, I don't think anybody would deny that in Ryan Donato's case. So um, I'm very happy to see that that strategy, which is something that Doug Wilson does all the time, is trading picks to get guys that uh, he, he knows what their skill level is. He's not taking a guess or a gamble. Um, it's good to see that this one's paying off. And quite frankly, a, a third sounds pretty good for Ryan Donato. I would, I mean, even a second seems like it would have been fair, uh, given what he's been able to accomplish so far this season in terms of uh, just impressing uh, the coaching and the staff. So very happy with Ryan Donato's game. What do you think? Uh, Donato, I mean, he was drafted. I'm looking. He was in the second round, 26th uh, pick. So late second round pick. And you're paying a three-round pick for a guy who's playing like a second, sometimes a late first-round pick. I think you're absolutely right. He's playing as one of the better Sharks right now, and he's he's got legs. It, to me, it's he's hungry. He's hungry to show that he belongs in the NHL and he belongs in the top six. So he's playing well and uh, doing the right things. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy the Sharks got him, and I think it's a good opportunity for him. Um, it is kind of weird that this is now his was it his third team that he's been on the NHL at, at 24 years old. So um, yeah, he was on Boston, then Minnesota, and now the Sharks. So it's kind of weird, right? So uh, I was I was kind of questioning that, but I think what that was or the reason is it was a numbers game in both those situations. Uh, in Minnesota, they had too many guys that were fitting in the top six. He was kind of squeezed out into that third. And why waste a guy who's got that talent on a third line when you can trade him for a draft pick? Uh, also, give that guy an opportunity to play in the NHL because he deserves it, just didn't have space for your team. Um, and then going back to uh, to Gambrell, I feel like Gambrell has proved himself. I think he's going to be a very good 
third line center in the NHL. Um, I think on a good team, he's a third line center. On a not so good team or not so deep team, he could fill in on that possibly second line for some things, but not right now. That that would be like more of his potential. So, but I think a third line center is going to be good. I think that's going to be solidifying for the Sharks um, for at least the next couple seasons um, as Gambrell is that third line center. So that kind of takes over what Joe Thornton kind of had that spot for the last couple seasons, along with Marlowe kind of switching around in there. So. I think that's uh, that's getting a little more solidified. I feel like the Sharks have a bunch of players that aren't top six material in, in terms of their prospects, but they have a lot of guys that can fill in that third and fourth line. So I feel like our third and fourth lines are going to be, it's kind of weird to say, but they're going to be pretty solid <laughs> for the next couple next couple years. Uh, hopefully the Sharks can, can figure out their top six more. Um, and again, going into next year, we're going to have that, that – uh, expansion draft so one of these top guys or a top salary person could be gone and uh the sharks might be able to get a ufa in uh or somebody else to fill in that top six role so or maybe a trade who knows uh things will hopefully open up next year and to me i feel like this year is still going to be kind of a let's see what we got see who sticks where next season is going to be more of a, a push to to uh be a better playoff team i'm not saying they're throwing in the towel but I think uh, because it's a short season and anything can happen, every team is kind of in play right now. Maybe not the Red Wings, but most teams are in in right now um, and getting that experience. So, yeah, so it, there's going to be some good and some bad, and there's probably going to be more bad than good, I feel like, in this season. So we're going to do a lot of these shows where we're going to try and pick and stay on the positive side. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you, you did mention Patrick Marlowe in there, and you were talking about the uh, the, the bottom six maybe being good for uh, a couple years uh, in the future here. Uh, doubtful that Marlowe will be a part of that bottom six as the years kind of uh, continue to move on. But um, we did want to mention that Patrick Marlowe, of course, now tied with Ron Francis for most games played in the NHL. Was it 1731, I think it was? I think so. Yeah. Yes. I think it's amazing. And then the next one in line is uh, <laughs> Yarma Yager uh, at uh, 1733, I believe. So two more games yep. and he'll be uh, tied for third place. Of course, the game after that, he'll be in sole possession. So uh, after that, it's just Mark Messier and then uh, the great Gordy Howe. So, I mean, he's he's knocking on the door. And as long as he kind of continues his Ironman streak throughout the season, I, I can't imagine he won't get there. I mean, it, it, like, like Bob Booner had said, you know, it's, he doesn't seem to have legs like a guy who's 41 years old. So, um, you know, hey, good on him. Uh, good job taking care of your body for this long. And and it's great that he's kind of in that mentor role now, as Bob had said. I know he, he's acting as a mentor to these guys, kind of show them uh, the right way, not just to to play and to, uh, to act. Because, again, Marlowe is kind of playing in a position that he hasn't really had to play before on the fourth line right now. So um, he, he's taking that uh, in stride. And he's showing the other guys that, you know, no, no matter how much you get paid or, or what your name is or how many games played you have or how old you are, you just you accept the role that you're given. You work the hardest that you possibly can and you take your opportunities when you can get them. So, um, you know, my hat's off to Patrick Marlowe and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him him hit that uh, that number. Hopefully he hits it uh, as a shark. I don't think if, <laughs> I don't think it'll happen if uh, they continue on the trajectory that they're on now in terms of point uh, generation. But um, you know, it, it'd be great to see him uh, do it in Teal. And, and in fact, if he does do it in Teal, it'll probably mean that the Sharks are a, a playoff team because the why, why trade the guy away if you're if you're playoff bound. So uh, that would be all good things 
uh, yeah. right there. So go ahead. Yeah, you know it, it's funny is Marlowe has survived. Uh, was it two lockouts now? And so he probably would have had another at least a hundred. 120 games to his credit, uh, and he would have blown it away. But you could say the same about Yager, too. Yager's at uh, 1733. Gordy Howe's leading at 1767. Um, Jeremy Yager played three seasons in the KHL and then came back. Plus, he yeah. survived another was another uh, lockout or two. So Yager should be at the top of the list um, with Marlowe right behind him. So it's kind of funny. Like it's, it's sad. It's sad that they had to survive a couple of... Uh, lockout seasons and and some other holdouts and stuff yeah um, but yeah i think it's amazing uh go ahead um so I, unless you're are you done with marlo yeah okay good uh, i just want to go to the comments real fast here i see a lot of people saying so what about drew menda drew is back officially or just as a guest uh you got the scoop first of all no we don't have the scoop uh i don't know anything about drew menda other than Apparently, he's supposed to be a guest on the uh, – it was a pregame or postgame or during the broadcast. He was on Do a pregame today, wasn't he? Was that? I think he was uh, He was on the pregame. Drew? Pregame show today, yeah. Oh, was Brett Hedekin was, was there. Who is it? Yeah. Someone on NBC had had shown like a picture of him with his – with yeah, the beard. Yeah, that that's from? that's as a, as a hint for uh, going going forward. There it, there is. it is, right there. Yeah. So producer Jason coming up with it. Yeah. So uh, there, there's a a special joining on Monday, is what they said. There you go. So on Monday, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it'd be cool if he kind of came back and and was uh, part of uh, you know the, the the pregame there. I don't know about bringing him back permanently or if that's what they're planning on doing, but. Um, looks like uh, Super uh-huh. Producer Jason doing some editing there on the fly. <laughs> Way to go there, bud. Way to go. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it, it'd be cool to have him back. And uh, there you go. The more you know, uh, it'd be cool to have him back. I, I'd be happy to see him kind of, uh, you know, get his take on the Sharks again after being away for a while there. I'm sure he's kind of followed along with his good friend Randy. So um, you know, hey, uh, if it happens, it happens. Honestly, I'm pretty happy with the guys that we have right now for pre-post and uh, the. The play-by-play in, in color. I think uh, Hedekin does a great job. So uh, I, I'm I'm more than happy with what we have already. But you know, the more the merrier, and it's a it's a familiar face. So sure, why not bring him back in? So I just wanted to call that one out because a lot of people were, were talking about that in, in the comments over here. So yeah, um, Anthony Anthony's saying Drew will be with Randy when Hedekin returns to the ice. I think what he means is ice level because Hedekin's usually down at the ice level for home games, right? Gotcha. So they'll have a threesome there. So Drew will probably be up in the booth with Randy, and then Hedekin will be down below on the ice level. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, let's let's do roll call right now, actually, while we kind of wrap up our last topics, and then we'll take some questions. So sure. go ahead. Take off roll call. Uh, roll call. Tell us where you're watching from and which Sharks player you would like to clone. <laughs> Uh, here's a good quote from Sandpaper from earlier. If Dubnik outperforms Jones this year significantly and they can lock down a contract with them, do you think the Sharks will protect Dubnik over Jones? Absolutely. I think they would, um, it doesn't mean Seattle would take Jones, but they would expose him. Okay. Dubnik is how old again? Uh, 30, in his 30s. I don't think he's much... I think he's mid thirties. I don't think you protect a mid thirties goaltender. That's me. He's thirty four. I don't 
know if you protect a mid thirty goaltender. <laughs> yeah, his birthday's in May, so he'll be turning thirty five during the season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think so, man. Especially since if you really want Dubnik, you could just um, you could just sign him because he'll be a UFA. Yeah, so, Martin Jones is thirty one. Yeah. And it seems like Martin Jones is getting his game back, guys. We're not talking about uh, you know the Martin Jones that everybody thinks that he is. Like uh, last season, even last season, I didn't think he was so bad. I mean, he was he didn't do great. I'll, I'll say that, but I didn't think he was as bad as Twitter and everybody else made him out to be. Uh, people saying you know he's not even an AHL backup. I I don't believe that at all. So um, you know, it seems like he's got his game back um, at least so far this season. So. If he were to continue on that trajectory, get himself uh, in the right state of mind, I could definitely see him being, you know, back in everyone's good graces. So at 31 years old, I think you'd rather protect that guy than the 35-year-old at the at the time for, for the expansion. Um, the, yeah, that guy who's been with you for only a year, uh, as opposed to somebody who knows your system a lot better. I don't know. I, I think you just go with the younger guy personally. Unless you're sold that Melnichuk is going to be ready to rock then fine, expose Jones. Hopefully they take Jones, and then you've got Dubnik uh, and Melnichuk until Melnichuk is ready to go. So uh, there's there's the, uh, I don't know, the the GMing by uh, Coach Paul, I guess. If you want to say. I don't know. Uh, but, Paul? yeah. What's up? Coach Paul GMing? That's what they call me. They call me Coach Paul, and I'm trying to do the GM job here. Come on, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a Swiss Army knife. I'm an Italian sure. Army knife, Aaron. Coach That's what I am. GM tandem, What's that? huh? A Coach GM tandem. You got it, dude. Save some money. Just hire me. Uh, <laughs> I'd do it all. Um, so we've had no games yet where the Sharks have played a full 60 minutes, uh, a strong, strong game. Um, kind of give me your your analysis on that one. I know you kind of put this note in there, so I'll let you kind of take it away. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I feel like the Sharks, they put together some good stretches of hockey. Um, I mean, even if you look at that 7-3 to three loss, the third period, I thought they played a lot better. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I thought they played a lot better. They kind of came together and, and chipped away and got a couple more goals. And then that led into the next game, which was tonight. And I thought the first two periods, they looked good. Even the first half of the third period, they looked decent. But then the last 10 minutes of today, not good. The first 10 minutes, first 20 minutes of of the first game, not good. And that was, that was their doing. So I think uh, they need to... To me, this is kind of like mental mental errors. Uh, they need to tighten up their stuff and something that they need to work on. Uh, in the post game tonight, Bob Bugner did say um, one of the questions was asked of him if uh, if fatigue was a factor from the elevation, and he said no because they'd already been in Denver for a couple of days now. It was like their fourth day, um, but he did say that the team is on like 35 days on the road, and they look like a team that's been on the road for 35 days. Yeah. So they're tired. They need to get home. It's really unfortunate that the Sharks are not able to play at SAP this weekend. However, if you want to talk about this weekend, or that's not weekend, but this week, uh, they are going to be playing Vegas, and it's supposed to be their home game, their home opener, which is going to be in Arizona. Now, tonight's game for Vegas, right, was postponed because a coach or a couple coaches got COVID. or on the co- Not that they got COVID, but they got on the – COVID protocol list, which means they could either have it or they were exposed to someone who did have it. There's a whole thing. So um, there might not be a game against Vegas. Granted, they're not playing until Monday, the first game. And the second game is Wednesday. So that gives them that gives them an extra, what, four days from now? Mm-hmm. 
before they're playing. But there's a chance that they don't play because they did postpone that that first game or the second game, I guess, tonight for Vegas. So, yeah, that, that could be a good break for the Sharks to kind of work on things in practice. And I'm sure they're already flying back to Arizona. They're probably on the plane right now and uh, going back to their hotel or wherever they're staying. And um, they'll probably be practicing the next couple of days or over the weekend, work on some stuff, fine tune and prepare for a very tough series against Vegas because Vegas is one of the hotter teams right now in the whole league. I think uh, they have one loss. Is that right? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. It, it sucks that our old coach is there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the one thing I will say about, you know, if the game does get postponed or that, that mini series with Vegas does get postponed, it's it's not such a bad thing. Um, you know, like you said, and, and I was going to bring this up too, it seems like, you know, that would be a great opportunity for them to get a little bit of rest, uh, to not be – uh, and they're they're on the road, yes, but to be able to kind of uh, pull themselves away from NHL action for just a little while, get themselves a nice little break, uh, hopefully recharge the batteries there because it seems like this is a team, as you just mentioned, uh, that, that really needs it being on the road for 35 days. Um, so though they'll still be on the road, at least they'll kind of like be parked and back in, the, in an area that's familiar to them. It's the kind of their home away from home. Uh, but if they do have to postpone those games and they end up replaying them, hopefully – uh, they'll be able to play those games in SAP uh, with a handful of their own fans, potentially, uh, but at least in in familiar settings, in a familiar surrounding, right? Uh, on their home rank, uh, knowing the boards, knowing how uh, they're going to carry them off the glass and everything else. I mean, those things, they make a little bit of a difference uh, when when you know all the bounces and, and everything about your home barn. So, uh, and especially remember that they just redid the piping underneath there as well. So it should be better ice than they're used to. So, um, you know, hopefully those are all good things for them when they do return to SAP. And again, if these games against Vegas uh, don't get played in Arizona, they should get postponed to a time when they're able to do it uh, in, in SAP Center. So, uh, you know, for me, that's I'm, I'm fine with that. Let the game get postponed. Give the guys some rest. Let them uh, play those games uh, in, in their actual home arena because uh, it would be terrible to have your home opener in a place that's not your home. <laughs> so right. um, it'd be, yeah, what a, what, a, what a world, man. What a world we're living in right now, Aaron. So bizarre, man. It's also going by really quick. I mean, we're already in February practically. It's yeah, nuts. it's Groundhog Day every week. It's like what I'm 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 working Monday through Friday, and I still lose track of the days. Yeah, it just blends together. It's hundred percent. Um, so Deuce the Shoeless says thoughts on uh, Shemlevsky and Gambrell and Gregor tonight. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Deuces. We kind of talked about all this stuff already. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, Sasha actually didn't play tonight. Uh, Gambrell, I thought he did a great job uh, blocking shots and whatnot, whether that was intended or not. But, hey, it counts as a block. Uh, and then Gregor, uh, Gregor, I thought he had some jump tonight. He was playing pretty hard. He was hustling. But uh, just not a whole lot going on there uh, from in terms of offense. So, I mean, not, not much you're going to expect from, from a guy who's kind of in your bottom six there necessarily. But – uh, yeah, not not a whole lot going on. Um, there was another comment Matt F. had put in here, and it's up a bit here. He says he's from Fairfield. There you go, Matt F. Uh, clone Hurdle and have them interview each other after every game. That would be hilarious. It would just be a lot of giggling and laughing at each other. Yeah, well, you know, uh, how'd you guys do it today? Oh, yeah, no, we did. Uh, we need to pick up the game from here. It'd just be back and forth, and as fast as you can, it'd be just one gigantic run-on sentence. 
just the question and the answer all together, right? So uh, that, that'd be a fun one. Thank you for that, Matt. I, I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to look back up and see that one. I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, Aaron, um, anything else we want to talk about here is I know that for, for our next show, um, it should be, should be Wednesday at 10 p.m. No, not, not 9 p.m. at 10 p.m., right? Right, because the game's supposed to be at 7.30 p.m., so that's going to push our, our show back to after that game. Um, so roughly 10 p.m. I mean, we'll wait till the game's over, at least, in case it runs later, goes to overtime. But um, we'll be on after the game. Okay. If there's, so, a if there's for, not a game, let's say it gets postponed, you want to do the show at 9? We'll say it's at 9, same night, and we'll talk about nothing. Do we still do a show? I don't even think we do a show. What's there to talk about? That's a good good point. We're we're doing them every two games, man. There's nothing to yeah. there's nothing to say. Yeah, we'll so. see. Maybe we'll try to think of something we could do for the hundred episode that never happened. You smelling know, salts. No, no more smelling salts. Uh, maybe these guys could uh, could come up with something there that that we could do. Paul, who would you clone? Oh my goodness! Uh, honestly, right now I would clone Ryan Donato. I put Ryan Donato on every line in every position. Um, he's 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 impressed the heck out of me. It's not just who's your best player. I think Brent Burns is a great guy to clone because he's played as a forward. Uh, I, it's not just who's your best player. I think for me, it's it's who's got that drive and that hustle, right? And one of the reasons I wouldn't clone Eric Carlson, for instance, is not because he's not a great player. He is. But I don't see the hustle out of him. I don't see the drive. Um, if I were to clone a forward and a defenseman, I would clone Mario Ferraro and Ryan Donato. And I would make six uh, Ferraros and 12 Donatos and just play out that just those two guys. Um, no, I, I think both of them, again, for me, it's it's the hustle, uh, especially with, uh, with those two. I think uh, for Ferraro, you see a loose puck and Ferraro's after it. You see uh, an odd man break, and if Ferraro's behind for whatever reason, he's after it. He's on the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's just something to be said about that mentality, that drive. I'm gonna get there for you, coach. Right? That's that's what I, I every time he makes those hard strides. That's what I hear, like his body language saying, "I'm gonna get there for you, coach." And I think as uh, as a coach, Bob has got to appreciate the heck out of that. So I think he's getting that from uh, some guys who aren't the highest paid guys on the team, who aren't the highest skilled guys on the team but they're guys who are willing to work their tails off for them. And that's why they're sticking in the lineup and they're getting those opportunities. Uh, we got a question from Nicholas Egan. Did you talk about the trade already? No, we did not. Let's talk about the trade real quick. Uh, the okay. Sharks were in a three-way trade, which is kind of, kind of rare. I feel like, especially when uh, was it Anaheim was involved, but yeah. um, the Sharks traded away Trevor Carrick, who was, he was on the Barracuda. So they traded a, Left-handed shot defenseman. He is 6'2", 196 pounds, decent size, for a guy who shoots right-handed, who's 6'4", and 220 pounds in Christian Jaros. Jaros? So they, they, eventually, they eventually ended up with that player. It was a three-way right. trade, as you said. Um, I forget what the middle guy was, but who cares? Um, so at the end of the day, we gave up Carrick, and we get Jaros or Haros or however you say the name. Um, yep. So... He's a he's a, a bigger guy in terms of height and weight. He's a right-handed shot. Uh, he's got more NHL experience than Carrick. I think he's two years younger. You said uh, two years younger. Yeah. So 
kind of all good things with him. I don't expect him to go into the lineup. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I expect that he's going to be a guy that either is on the taxi squad. You know, again, if we have some injuries or whatever, uh, Kanijov has kind of impressed. Uh, we didn't talk about him at all. Kanijov is looking good. Uh, I'm happy with him. And uh, Bugner said it too, right out of training camp. He said, you know what? Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting him to kind of impress and make, uh, make the roster, but there he is. And, you know, you kind of hear that from the coach and you take it with the, you know, you, you kind of think, well, maybe he's just saying that because he has no other options, but then you see him tonight and Kanijov made some, some pretty good plays both in defensive zone and the offensive zone, keeping the puck in, uh, poking the puck out. Uh, I thought, and there was a couple, I think uh, it was, it was a nice one timer that he had too. And it was, a, it was just a cannon fired it right on net, did a really good job, keeping guys away with his reach. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with Kanijov right now. I would be shocked if, uh, this guy who got traded for an AHL defenseman essentially uh, steps in and takes over his job as the bottom six guy in the NHL. So uh, who, who knows? Uh, maybe he is. Maybe he's. That's what they're looking for. Got to replace Kanijov, but I think Kanijov's done just fine, and I, I wouldn't pull him out of the lineup. Yeah, it could be. My guess, maybe he would need a break, or if he gets hurt or something, it's kind of a backup option because um, he is a rookie. So you never know what's going to happen. Maybe he just tails off and again, needs a break and they need somebody. So I think it was an upgrade to that spot, specifically a right-handed shot defenseman that could play with, uh, I guess in this case, Shimmick. Um, he's also from, where's he from? Not the Czech Republic, but he's from uh, Slova- uh, Slovakia, which they used to be the same country, Czechoslovakia. Now it's Czech Republic and Slovakia. So, uh, you know, that might help things with Shimmick being back there as well. So good communication between them. Uh, I do want to highlight Lundy. Thanks for the dollar ninety nine. Guess who I'd clone? He would clone Justin Braun <laughs> and re-sign him to the Sharks. That's what he would do. Yeah. Am I right, yeah. Lundy? Of course I'm right. Why am I even asking? He also asked uh, who I would clone. Oh. Uh, I think I would clone Hurdle. Having two hurdles in your team. And that's a one-two punch in centers right there. That would be pretty deadly. If you can have Hurdle on the ice for 48, 50 minutes at a game, imagine that, right? Yeah. That'd be pretty dominant. Well, someone else already said that, but they want them to interview each other. You want them to actually play. Right, correct. Okay, that's that's good. I I think either way, it's a solid win for Sharks fans, no matter what. Two guys that are, I mean, yeah, if you're cloning somebody, but if you had another player that was exactly like him, That'd be amazing. Like you would be so dominant on everything down low. So your whole strategy would change in your team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mark, Mark uh, failure says the same thing that I was just saying. 71 hasn't done anything wrong. I hundred percent 71 being Kinesia, of course. Um, so I think Mark and I see it the same way. Uh, so obviously we're right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Aaron, anything else you want to uh, talk about here? Or we just want to kind of wrap it up. Uh, well, it is picture time, so let's oh, yes, pull up of course. the next picture here. And I don't even know. I sent I sent our producer a bunch, so I don't know which one's going to pull up here. So let's see what he's got. This is – oh, wow. This is oh. – uh, look at Paul with wow. the rolling ice and the Bellarmine hat. This was freshman year of high school. Um, I should have cropped that because my sister looks so angry in the background there. Yes, she does. <laughs> but, yeah, this is freshman year of high school. So this was uh, 1996. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There it is. There's the Sprite. I used Paul to drink, uh, drink those like crazy. Yeah. No, Always. dude. 
rolling ice with the the B hat. That's that's my Bellerman hat there. Um, so I was playing uh, for for Team Bellerman. This is before it was a sanctioned sport. Now Bellerman has full on ice hockey teams, and it's it's uh, actually you know Bellerman's team. Back then uh, there wasn't. Listen, how old I am. Back then uh, they didn't have uh, like the sanctioned sport, so it, we had to make a club. Like kind of like the poetry club, right? But it was like the the hockey club, and so we had to take uh, a group of guys from the team. We got uh, from from the school, made a club out of it, and then we talked to other other uh, kids that we knew from uh, you know our, our grade school days, and we had them create their own clubs. Then we all went to Rolling Ice, talked to Dave Maley, and said, "Hey, can you make like a high school league for us? The high schools themselves won't be um, kind of a part of it, but the the clubs from each individual high school will be." So, um, so that's kind of probably why I was wearing both because I was playing roller hockey at the time for Bellarmine. Um, and, and man, that's, I, I, I like that, that sweatshirt, to be honest. I wish I could find another one of those. I got to see if I can maybe dig one of those up somewhere. Sure you can get that recreated somewhere. Goodness gracious. Uh, and, and can I just call out one more time? Uh, Super Producer Jason already. Oh, no, no, no. It was, it was Super Producer who said it. The flowing locks on Aaron's head. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. I used to have a lot of hair back in my day, I guess. It was a lot. Yeah. A lot. Very curly, just huge fro. It just went out. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say anything for you, but, man, I'm a good-looking kid right there, huh? Yeah, you're right. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> Stud, what happened to me? Oh, my goodness. I let it all go. Yeah, that's Sprite, man. We used to drink. No, water. don't get any closer to me. Go look away. I'm hideous. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Look at those Sprite cans, old school from Doctor Hook. Oh yeah, yeah oh yeah. That was old school. Uh, yeah, Doctor Hook. Doctor Hook says says uh, the old school cans. Way to go. Good uh, good call there. Thirst oh, is my. nothing. Or what is it? Image is nothing. Thirst is everything. I think that was their slogan back in the day. Right. I mean, the last one I remember was make seven up yours, but uh, that's a totally different uh, thing going on. Up. Huh? That's seven up, not Sprite. Yeah. I, well, that's the last one I remember from like the uh, the clear soda drink ones. I don't remember Sprite at all. Whatever. Uh, who would Jason clone? Oh, no. Super producer Jason, you're getting called out here. Would you like to type down there? And because uh, he never comes onto the stream. Would you like to type it and we'll read it out for you? Who would, who would you clone? Super producer Jason clone himself and make him produce. <laughs> he's not lying. He's yeah, not lying. he's not. And, and guess what we're about to get hit with, Aaron? Because we're yeah. going on too long. I'm sure. Maybe not. Oh, he didn't do it. Okay, never mind. I thought we were going to get smashed with the... Uh... Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Yes, yes. yes. Get, get on, on with it. With it. <laughs> yep, called it. Well, I kind of forced it, but whatever. Okay. Hey, son. Get on with it. I'm trying to. Uh, Sonic Tonic. I want to highlight this last one here. I love you guys. Hey, man. We love you, too. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> you got to highlight. There you go, Super Producer Jason. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, yes, definitely. We love you guys, too. And uh, on that note, actually, we just want to say one more time, thanks again uh, to all of our followers on, on Twitter, all of our... I don't know if they're followers necessarily on Facebook. I wouldn't really post there that much. But uh, all of our subscribers on YouTube and everybody who uh, pops into these live shows, 
and gives us these comments. We do have a lot of fun with this. I know uh, oftentimes we're not the most uh, professional of uh, interviewers and whatnot, but uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're just here to have fun, uh, just like you guys, you know? So um, I, I think I, was, I had a little bit of a Twitter battle with somebody who really enjoyed Oreos and he's like, well, he's just upset because uh, he, he sends tweets for a living and, I just want to let you guys know this isn't what I do for a living, so it's okay for me to be a little bit off the cuff, right? So uh, it, it's it's all in good fun, uh, and I, I just like connecting with uh, the fans as a fan. It just happens that we have a show, uh, and you presumably don't. So uh, in any case, again, thank you guys for chiming in, uh, making this uh, what it is, and being able to put those comments in there. Again, thank you so much. I can't remember the man's name. It was a Spitler was the last name. Thank you so much for uh, the, the Venmo, the, the, the tip there, if you will, uh, supporting the show. We do appreciate that. Anytime we get the Super Chat, again, Lenny hit us up tonight. Thank you so much, Lenny, for that. Uh, I, I swear, though, Lenny, you could have bought like five hats by now, buddy. Uh, but, I, you know, again, I, I appreciate you. And uh, if you are, are wondering where those hats and the shirts are, of course, thefinfactor.com. Uh, go ahead and support the show that way any way you can. We do Look appreciate at you. you. Look What's at up? you. So smooth. Hey, man. I've been doing this for a while. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm going to call out my friend Iser. That's the, the hey, man. Uh, is the, it's the Iser hey, man right there. So you guys don't know who he is, but uh, he's a cool dude. Anyway, uh, that'll end up doing it, I think. We've uh, embarrassed ourselves enough with picture time. So uh, we like Wild Paul. Wild Pauly. Uh, thank you, Dr. Hook. Uh, love you guys, too. It's a great show. Love to tap in. Uh, one more time, right back at you guys. So on that note, for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys. Uh, maybe Wednesday night. <laughs> we don't know. But you'll get a notification if you're not subscribed. So subscribe. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live stream on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.